Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Hi, Bill. How are you doing this week? I'm doing well. After a brief respite from travel, I've been back on the road again. So I was off in Washington, D.C. earlier this week. Yeah, that's what I heard. And you've been uh, talking to some test manufacturers and thinking about what's going on with our government. I think let's talk about those things. There's some really important topics that our listeners will want to hear about. I agree. I think that there are a lot of stakeholders in healthcare and in, just in general that are actually going to Washington, D.C. Uh, and spending time there because they're to try and get things passed, get legislative issues addressed and other things before the end of the year here, right? So a lot of different people I had the opportunity to meet with both there and then, you know, over the last month or so. And it's just been interesting kind of seeing different perspectives and because to communicate to government, obviously, people have to kind of distill their messaging, right? And, and to get it to something that that's concise. And so... Yeah, we could talk about why they're doing that. For instance, with they had a chance to talk to some of the device manufacturers, some other laboratories, and then also just some other people in Washington, D.C. that work with the government and how all this is going to come together or concerns about how they have it coming together. Now, I guess like, I'll start there. We should probably talk just a little bit about some of the stuff that we're worried about in labs and or watching right. and wondering if Congress is going to act. Well, let's start with something positive, maybe. Um, you said you've been talking to some device manufacturers what are they thinking about right now? What's forefront on their mind? They're actually trying to understand potential FDA regulation, lab developed tests, because you have to remember, I mean, they go through the device manufacturing. They have to submit to FDA for their devices, but at the same time, you know, they're selling a lot of reagents and equipment into labs to run lab developed tests. So they're watching this as well. But the other thing that they're really kind of just thinking of the bigger perspective is that things that we talked about during COVID, how do all their different instruments work together, right? I think there's a, there as the device manufacturers now, you have companies like Thermo Fisher and Roche and Danaher and others that have multiple platforms, Hologic. So the thinking really seems to have be evolving from how do we get tests on these individual pieces of equipment to how do all these different things work together, which I think will be at probably coming out of COVID. They were thinking about capacity and all the different instrumentation and how their different instruments work and in talking to different companies, how do we keep the pipeline of innovation going? And as importantly, how do these different pieces of equipment, how do they work together? How does something like in a pathology lab work with something in an infectious disease lab? You know, how does that information flow? So it's more on the data side, things that you and I have talked about before, which I think is really cool from us from a laboratory perspective, because that's where we spend a lot of our time and effort is thinking about how we go out and try and find these pieces of information. Now it looks like the device manufacturers are trying to build the systems that have them flow together more naturally. Yeah, that would be great. One of the things I think we could do as pathologists and laboratorians is really help pull all the different pieces of data together from the patient to help create either a synoptic report or a synoptic interpretation. I've been hearing some people say that large language models will be doing that, but perhaps there's an opportunity with device manufacturers as well if I have an instrument in the chemistry lab and one in the microbiology lab, is it going to actually be able to talk? Are those two able to talk to one another and maybe flag certain results if they're linked together? 
Yeah. And I think that that's part of it. And there was discussion of large discussion, excuse me, of large language models and what they can do. But the reality is they can only do so much and they very much depend on how the data is structured, you know, and, and some things about just kind of core about how things work. One of the interesting things I heard when I was out there, what's been called large language model hallucination, which is something I think it's important for us to be aware of. It's, it was an interesting and catchy phrase, but basically one of the things that's con we ha I concerning, I, I, to be honest, is that the way that those work is that they will just try and fill in the gaps. An example was given, we will create a citation that doesn't exist, for instance, right. if it thinks that this should kind of be there. So you, I think, again, they're great potential, but we have to think about how we're working in the real world today. And that, that's where a lot of these, these manufacturers are. I think the other thing that's really gratifying is that you're seeing more and more people with lab experience going into these companies. And so that creates opportunities for us then to, to, to interact because they'll then come back out. So we need to be thinking about rather than just being vendees for these companies, how would we want them to work for us kind of thing as we do our jobs. And that, I think that's a really great opportunity for us in lab medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. And then what were you hearing also in your favorite to be seen? On the lab side, of course, a big thing, you know, a lot of discussion around FDA oversight of LDTs, both on the concern side, even if the, a lot of things, if this final rule goes out and it's, you know, what is it going to look like? How much could FDA even put in there? Because do the, you know, the capabilities that they have, I did hear that if you think about the timing, because a lot of people have had questions on the timing, it seems pretty fast to get a short comment period, get a final rule out, it would be very, very quickly compared to the, the usual. And then if you even look at the timeline, it seems so tight. Like it's like four years, right? Three and a half, four years. A lot of that is probably driven by the way FDA gets funding, right? The FDA has a user fee agreement that it goes to Congress every year to get ratified. Essentially, those who are regulated by FDA have to pay a fee that then supports FDA in doing the work, right? So the timing is probably linked to that. But the reality is that, number one, it's very hard to actually estimate what are the total number of LDT in the U.S. that are being used? We know it's a lot. We know just from our COVID experience that FDA struggled, but first they were really turning around EUAs quickly for COVID tests, but it got slower because they just don't have the workforce and the labs are so specialized. So a lot of talk just about that, you know, what's going to happen. And, and then the other piece of it is it raises some very interesting questions. Like if your test has now been FDA approved as a under device regulations, does that mean you can sell it like a device? Does that mean you can actually package it up as a kit and sell it, right? Because that's why device regulations are in place. It's a very uh, interesting time for that. The other thing I heard, which is really important for our listeners, is that the comment period really is a time that if you have concerns or things that you would want FDA to respond to in this as they come forward with the final, it has to be in those comments. Being in the comments doesn't guarantee that they will, but if it's not, then it guarantees that they won't. That's why it's really important to get the comments. It's December 3rd. It's really short. We have the holiday coming up, but it's really important. I know you've been working on it as a DLMP yeah. chair and with Shannon and others, and, and we've been help, you know, contributing as well. But it's a short window. Thanksgiving will come, and then everything gets really crazy. But the reality is it's super important. You know, that's a great point, Bell. So, of course, Mayo Clinic, large academic medical centers, academic centers, professional organizations, they're going to be responding. But individuals can, too, the people listening to this. So, for example, if someone's a lab director out there and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, I have all these tests and I've been using them, they're really good tests, they're 
really important to patient care. And I would really like to see those tests be grandfathered in. Well, grandfathering is something that the FDA had asked about. I think that that would be a comment that would be very appropriate to write in and have that in writing. And the more people that write in about that, perhaps there'd be more comments to help sway the FDA into considering that. We don't know if it would help, but if no one writes in about grandfathering, then I suppose the FDA could say, well, clearly no one cared about that. Exactly. Well, I don't understand it. I don't know that anyone writing comments has to understand. There's certain things that the FDA can do under the device regulation framework, and there's certain things that they can't. It turns out grandfathering, I think, is one of the things that they can. So I think there'd just be an expectation from the stakeholders that if they can do this, and a lot of people write that this should be done, that they would at least have some response, right, to that. What things that came out was like, would the lab be test certified to be proficient at a technology like NAT, NGF? a next generation sequencing or mass spec or something like that. That's something that doesn't exist today. If a lot of people put comments in, there still would be the opportunity for, if the final rule goes out, for legislation to be introduced to say, here's a new thing that we want to give the FDA the ability to do. So there's a lot of really good reasons to put comments in. It is a matter of the public record. So if you have some support of your institution to help with that, whether government affairs or legal representation, just someone to look at it, you want to get it in the right language, but it is super important. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's coming up very soon. And of course, we're going to be talking about other things soon with holidays, but uh, this is something that people should be thinking about now. Yep. There's so many other important issues going on too, reimbursement. So here's the thing with that. I got a chance to talk to a member of Congress uh, and there's a, by and large, a support for delaying PAMA cuts. Again, another one year delay. It makes all the sense in the world to people. The reality is that Congress is struggling to function right now, just to be completely honest, and without going into all the details around that. So the more that we can do to write in, I mean, it, it may has a huge impact, right? I think there's a stop lab cuts now, which is out there, but there's, it has form letters. But if you can send things into your local representation to really show it's front of mind, because there'll probably be only one or two legislative packages that go through before the end of the year. There'll probably be one next week because they have to to extend funding for the government and maybe one more before the end of the year. Even though everyone agrees that it's the right thing, because of the state of Congress, it doesn't really ensure it's going to happen unless there's a lot of pressure. And so really think about writing in for that too. We don't get to delay then by law, we're going to be submitting data, which is a lot of work, and also looking at cuts using the, the old data, which is also going to be pretty substantial. Yes. So a lot there, uh, a lot to yeah. think about. Probably the most important message from my perspective after being there is something you and I have talked about a lot, and that is now more than ever, it's really important for us to be engaged in this laboratory community. Like we did the Twitter poll, or I did it. And COVID was like the bottom of the list of what people wanted to talk about. I think that's true. When we were in the midst of COVID, those in the laboratory were like, wow, the world's finally seeing how important labs are, and this will persist. And I think one of the things that's been a bit sobering is that really almost as people don't want to think about COVID, a lot of stuff we talked about with labs has kind of gone with it. So we really have to be vocal about bringing this forward. Even the Protection to Preparedness Act, PAPA, the Pandemic Preparedness Act, that needs to get reauthorized, right? And you would think that that would be a no-brainer after we just got through a pandemic, and yet that still has not been reauthorized. And that would give Congress the ability to do a lot of things, and the White House, a lot of things that was able to do in COVID around public-private partnerships. And there's a lot of things, lessons learned there that have been incorporated 
So we're hopeful that these things will make it through Congress here before the end of the year. Yeah, I hope so too, Bill. So really two things you mentioned, how we could get engaged in all of our listeners, any of us that feel that something's important to them and want to share it. So writing to the FDA, specifically in responding to their proposed ruling, but then also writing to Congress, writing to our representatives about things that are important to us because they listen and they read while their interns do and then it goes up to them. Every single comment that is written by their constituency to them and if they are hearing lots of people writing in about PAMA and just the substantial impact that would have on laboratories and access to care, then that's going to come to the top of their mind. And they're going to yeah. be more concerned about it and more likely to take action. That's right. And I think that's one of the things that I did hear when you talked to members of Congress around both issues, actually. The other thing is to really engage patient advocacy groups. Patient advocacy groups have a strong voice on the Hill. So if there are, you know, are groups that if you're connected, I know we're doing that here at Mayo to talk with some of our neurologists and some of the other people that are connected to these patients that really need access to tests for their care, right? So that's the other thing to think about, our own voice and then engaging with others as well. So to either put comments on FDA or write in around the pamids of cuts and delaying those. That's a great topic there. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all shapes out towards the end of the year. We're, we're getting close to the end of the year. I can't believe it. This year has flown by. Some very important things that still have to happen this year. Yep, for sure. People need to keep their ear to the ground and we'll try and be part That's of those with that. our headphones on. With our headphones <laughs> on, we'll be part of, we'll be part of those ears too. That's right. Well, thanks, Bill. It's always great talking to you. Talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.